0: Good morning. Good morning. How are we doing today? Thank you all for coming out in the weather. Snowmageddon avoided us again, despite the newsman's best efforts to terrify us. We have we have made it through another devastating storm. Next, all messed up. So as we continue our series now on the one another's, I want to begin by um, just encouraging everyone um, that as we go through this series. Um, if you miss a message, if you're not here on a Sunday, that's fine. But we want to encourage you to still listen to them online. It's going to help you keep uh, continuity in what we do when you are here. And I uh, just really want to encourage you that we're, we're doing this series for a reason, as was mentioned in the introduction uh, week, in case you missed it, um, where we started with love one another. Uh, we want to be a church that loves one another. And I'm not saying we don't, but there's always more that we can do. We want to complete the fullness that God has for us and loving one another, and caring for one another, and praying for one another, and bearing one another's burdens, and all these things that we're going to study and look at. And so it's really important that you stay with the continuity of, of the program because they're all, they're all tied together, and, and we're doing them for, for a reason. Um, as we mentioned, you know, it's tied into the start of our care groups um, because we really want to be a tight, unified church that loves and cares for, for one another. So we're going to talk about um, praying for one another uh, today. And um, in some ways, it's almost kind of like, talking to Branford Bible Chapel about praying is like, you know, talking to Wendy's about burgers. I mean, we, we pray. Uh, we, we pray a lot. We, we pray every Sunday. Uh, we send out our prayer emails. Um, we, we're really our, our praying church. We do really care for one another. We jump on the prayer chain as soon as we can. Uh, we, we love to pray for one another. Uh, we've set aside the first Sunday of the month to pray for the for the work here at the church and, and what God is doing. We, we really take prayer um, seriously. So I don't want to... I hate to use the word waste our time um, talking about what prayer is, because I think we, we do. If for any reason you feel uncomfortable in your prayer life, you're not really sure even what prayer is or how to pray, you can certainly talk to one of the elders. We'll be happy to kind of talk about that. So this is not going to be a message about what prayer is, uh, but it's more about how to pray for one another. And um, I think there's some, some strong examples of what we can do. But But the idea is, um as I, as I prayed about this, where I felt um, the spirit lead, and, and the burden I felt was to think about how can we mature our praying. Um, I, know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel very inadequate with the words I come before the throne with. Um, you know, it, it's like I feel like a little child on the side of the bed going, bless mommy, bless daddy, bless my dog Coco, bless you know, my father in the school. And, and that's, that's, those are beautiful prayers. They're, they're in the, 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 the gist of coming to the throne as a child. But we also want to pray with with some maturity, and Scripture is going to give us um, some things to pray for. And so your your handout that you got today, and if you didn't get one, please make sure you do, I'm going to talk about that at the end, but it's really Scripture's about praying. They're, They're praying Scriptures, let's put it that way. So when we pray, and we pray from the perspective of Scripture, and we use Scripture in our prayer, not to be repetitive as Christ warned us against, to just be repetitious prayer which is mundane to heaven, but... If the Holy Spirit enabled Paul or John or any of these apostles to write prayers in their letters to the church, it's spiritually divine. It's spiritually given. And so they are part of the template and the example for us in how to pray in a spiritual way, not an earthly way, in a temporal way, in a way that's, I really don't know what to say, God, so just bless them. You know what they need, Lord, bless them. There are actually examples in Scripture of things that we can pray for one another about that are beyond just our health needs and those things. And those are very important. I'm not trying to diminish anything. But there's some deeper spiritual things and scriptural things that we can take advantage of. And when we pray in that way, we're praying from the perspective of heaven, not flesh. If it's from the word of God when we pray, we're praying heavenward, not earthward. And that's really a more deep prayer, a more God-centered prayer and and in tune with God prayer. Because if God inspired these men to write these prayers, And we're going to take them, and we're going to pray in the same way. So I want to just open up in a word of prayer before we get any farther. Lord our God, we thank you again for our Lord Jesus Christ, for his constant intercession on our behalf, for his example in prayer, and how important it is, and how he desired things for us, and he showed that in his prayers as well. And so, Lord, let us be a church and a body who begins to understand more deeply what you desire from us in prayer, that we come before you uh, with prayers that that are in tune with your will, so that as we pray anything according to your will, it will be done. Uh, So Lord, help us to understand these things and to be those who have a heart to pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I also think that... um, Sorry, it's very dry in here. A biblical inspiration of our prayer life... um, is it's going to inspire us, I think, to pray more. Not when something comes up. We want to pray more. We want to pray regularly, right? Scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean we have to be monks on our knees or, or sitting Indian-style you know, with, with incense, just praying all the time and not doing anything else in life. But our hearts need to be attuned and sensitive to praying. We need to pray consistently and regularly. Pray without ceasing, the Scripture tells us. And when we pray... I think we need to realize and be aware and sensitive to the fact that when we pray, right, we're in the presence of the Lord. Do you realize what I'm saying? Like right now we're talking the Lord is present, but as soon as we utter the words, dear God, the ears of heaven go, what, my child? Right? We don't knock and the butler comes to the door and says, what is it? I'll see if he's available. Hang on a minute. I'm sorry, he's with someone. Can you come back later? The moment a child of God, utters those words, dear God, my Lord, my Lord in heaven, however we approach the throne, heaven goes, boom, what? What do you need? And so once we're in that place, we're actually praying from there. Does that make sense? Take yourself out of your physical place and put yourself in the spiritual place. Realize where we are when we're praying, when we have the attention of God. We're in his presence. From that perspective... We should be able to pray heavenward. Not heavenward, earthward from heaven is what I meant to say, right? We're now in the presence of God. We've got God's attention. We're with one. We're talking together. Say, God, this is what's on my heart. He says, yes, tell me what's going on in your mind. Tell me what's going on in your heart. I want to hear about it. But now we're in his presence. So our point of view needs to be from there, back here, not from here looking up. Does that make sense? It changes the perspective of what we pray. It brings a maturity to our prayer. But let's remember that we come before God every single time, all the time, in the blood of the Lamb. We have direct access to God. There's no hesitation, there's no stall, there's no pause, there's no waiting for the text reply. It's immediate we have access to the throne of God. So when we pray, let's pray with that heart as the redeemed, brought directly into the throne of God. Turn with me to John 17. Um, there's a lot in the Scripture about prayer. Like I said, I'm not going to get into a a lesson on prayer itself. Um, we all know, you know, very well what they call the Lord's Prayer, right? Which the Lord, Lord gave them the disciples said, "Lord, teach us how to pray." They didn't say, "Teach us what to pray." They said, "Teach us how to pray." Is this thing on? All right. Sometimes it drops out. So the what they call the Lord's Prayer, which by the way bothers me so much, because This is the Lord's Prayer, in my opinion, when he prays for us and he prays to the Father before he goes to Calvary. But what they call the Lord's Prayer is just a nice template, a format to follow. And and it's a good thing to follow as a format, right? We want to approach the throne of God and give God glory first. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's where we begin. God, I'm coming to you as a child of yours, but I know who you are and I respect who you are. Before I ask anything, you receive glory. Will he not listen to us if we don't do that? No. I mean, yes. Wait, what did I just say? Yes, he will hear us. I don't know what I said, but scratch that. Strike it from the record. But regardless, when a child of God comes to God, he hears. But it's that reverential position, and it's good for us to come to God in that position. We start with, not like a needy little child, but a blessed child who is thankful. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. It's all about God first when we approach the throne of God. And then we get into our needs and the things that we want to pray. But we're going to look at these things a little deeper. But I want to look at John 17 because this is the Lord praying for us. And it's a great opportunity for us to get the Christ mind in prayer. The Christ mind uh, in prayer. So, beginning in verse 9, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. So Christ is praying for our unity, right? While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I'm just going to stop there because... I want to keep our focus um, on the prayer for one another uh, in, that, in that mind. What's beautiful, there's a lot to take out of that. But what I want to focus on this morning is verse 13. Now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. When we pray, and we pray for one another, this is where we really kind of, the, the attitude we want to have. That Christ's joy be fulfilled in the believer's heart. What is Christ's joy? Well, certainly going to the cross on our behalf. Obeying the Father. Thy will be done. I delight to do thy will. Oh, my God. To show love. Love one another as I have loved you. Love the lost, the hurt, and the outcast. That's Christ's joy. And Christ prayed for us to have a fulfilling of that in our hearts. So we could pray that for one another. That Christ's joy be fulfilled in us through all things, through all things we experience and suffer. We can pray that as well. In verse 17, he says, Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. The word sanctify is talking about that, whole, that change of whole, into holiness, right? So if you're not familiar, Sanctify has multiple applications, right? As soon as we put our faith and trust in God, we are sanctified. We are set apart for God. We are marked as His. But then we go through the sanctification process where we kind of change into the likeness of Christ. And then there's being sanctified, which is how we act when we're here in this world. What Christ is praying for, among other things, is that we are set apart by His truth. So as we read and we study, and we ingest God's word its effect is setting us apart from worldly things wants desires as well as troubles Christ prayed for us that we'd be sanctified from these things he wants us to be set apart from all that's going on in the world while we're in the world to not be a part of the world but to be set apart from it this changes our hearts and minds and our character into the likeness of Christ, which is what our goal is while we're here. And that's what Christ prayed for us. So as an encouragement, we can pray for that for one another. Turn with me to Luke 18, please. I'm really just going to read one verse, but I want us to look at it. And then you can take the rest of this passage uh, in your own meditation time from this verse. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But Christ then goes to the... Uh, he spoke a parable to them, to the disciples, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Sometimes we lose heart when we pray. We didn't get the answer we wanted when we wanted it, how we wanted it, and so we lose heart. And Christ then goes on to give an example... Uh, of, the, of the, what's called the persistent widow. right? She hounds the guy till she gets what she wants. Christ is telling us to pray that way. Uh, again, I have to be honest. I can't stand up here and be, be anything but myself. I lose heart sometimes. God, where's the answer? I, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. Maybe, maybe you just want me to move on. Maybe he just wants us to keep praying. Keep praying. Do not lose heart. As we pray for one another, we pray for the things that we go through in this church, physical suffering, hardships, relationships, all those things. Do not lose heart. Christ commands us and inspires us and encourages us. And he gives this example of this woman. Do not lose heart. When Christ was in the garden, he did not lose heart. He said, Father, if it be thy will, take thy cup. He didn't. So he went and did what the Father's will was. We have to accept God's answer to prayer and not lose heart, not be discouraged. Trust that God is sovereign and good in all things, in all things. So the majority of our time, I actually want to look at examples from the apostles of their prayers. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And as I go through these, I'm actually pulling out what are written as prayers. And so, I, again, I want to be careful that we don't get legalistic or myopic in how we pray from Scripture. You could take any Scripture and pray it, right? Pray, pray that someone would have the joy of Christ through suffering. There's all those verses that we can talk about where Paul, Paul or the other apostles give encouragement. You can always pray those things for others. So I'm just using examples. I don't want to get you know, so locked in that this is what we have to pray. But these are examples that we can pray. So in Ephesians 1, starting in verse 15, he writes this, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the, Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward those who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand and in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Thank you, Paul, for the run-on sentence. It makes it easy to preach. So, sarcasm. Stay with me. Now, listen. That's quite a prayer. That's quite a prayer. If we study this prayer and we're going to start breaking it down a little bit, that's a lot more than, um, I I pray for Xavier that he can get that new car. You know, I pray for Elaine that she's healthy today. Those are good prayers. And when someone comes to say, please pray for me, I'm having this thing or I'm going through that thing, those are good prayers. I'm not trying to say don't pray those things or there's any distinction, but look at the depth of this prayer for the church. If we take this and we pray this for one another, think about what will happen. He starts off with, I do not cease to give thanks for you. When we pray for one another, how about we start with giving God thanks for the person we're praying for? It's an attitude changer. As soon as I can say, God, thank you for Johnny. Thank you for saving him, for bringing him here, for making him a part of my life the things that he has done. I start there. After, obviously, I give God glory. God, thank you for James. Amen. I, I'm going to stop right there. But, but, you see, but you see what I'm saying? Spend time before God just giving thanks for the person you're praying for. And do not cease to give thanks. In all things, give Thanks. It affects the heart about who you're praying about. And it drives the direction of the prayer. And then he prays this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. So he's praying for their spiritual growth. How about that? How about we spend time praying for one another for spiritual growth? that God would reveal himself in a more deeper way. And as, as Paul lays it out, in the spirit of wisdom, wise understanding of what it is about Christ that he's teaching us, and revelation, revealing who he is in his wholeness, in his completeness. We should be desiring that for one another as we pray for one another. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. The eyes being the entry point, right? The window to the soul. This is this is kind of a almost a... Jewish kind of saying kind of thing, of your understanding, the depth of your heart, right? It's like knowing your way around. It's not just head knowledge, but it's it's the close understanding that you walk with and you live with and you appreciate. That it would be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. We talked about this at Lord's Supper today, didn't we? We did. This is this we're gonna talk about this. D- Sometimes people misunderstand this. We'll talk about this in a little bit, hopefully, if we have time. But this is not what you're supposed to do. This is not what he's talking about, I don't think. I think he's talking about the end, where you're going. What is the hope of your calling? You were saved with a hope that we will spend eternity in heaven. He wants the believers to know this in a more deeper way to make it a, a realization in their lives so that all the things that they go through, everything that they struggle with, that's their first thought. I'm pulling to James. I, I can't look at this and not think about Dave. Especially you know, just the, the services that we had yesterday. is the first thing on my mind. This is what he thought about all day, every day. The hope of his calling. Spending eternity with the Savior, which is where he is now. Don't think he didn't have his bad days and hard days laying there in a bed. He couldn't move for 12 years. But what gave him hope and inspiration every single day was the hope of his calling. It's not a hope. When we read hope in the Bible, right, it's not like, man, I hope this happens. It's just the expectant waiting for what we know. It's just not here yet. The hope of our calling is that which is to come our eternal place with Christ. If we pray that for one another, as hard things come up, the person's going to be able to persevere. That's what's going to get us through, that we're praying about. It's keeping our minds and hearts fixed on the hope of the calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Paul uses this word riches a couple times. It speaks of The abundance. The abundance. Right? It's not enough. It's more than you could ever need. It's more than you could ever need. So can we pray for one another that we would have an understanding of the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? How much we have at heart disposal. You, you, you need a practical application? You just got adopted by Bill Gates and he gave you an unlimited debit card. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what else to tell you. More, more than you could ever spend, more than you could ever need. That's yours right now. That's mine right now. We have that at our disposal, the riches of the glory of God. And he says that they would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the work of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. We need to pray for each other that that is what we put our dependence upon. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. Lives in us. What could possibly be in this world that that cannot overcome? There isn't anything. That is the ultimate victory. It's victory over death. And that power is at our disposal. We could pray these things for each other, that we would understand these things As we pray for one another, that that's what our hearts would be and what our minds would be focused on. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter three, going to verse fourteen. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Think about that for a second. Pray that for one another here in this church. Pray that prayer for one another here in this church. Imagine what will happen. He begins the prayer with his position. And that's where we always want to begin, on our knees, spiritually. Pray on your knees, not on your knees. That's between you and God. If it helps you reach a place of humility in your heart as you approach God, then by all means, get on your knees physically. But if you can just bow your head, then that's fine. It's a perspective, not a physicality. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unity, our Lord Jesus Christ. The ones He is praying for are ones with Him in Christ. Remember that. We are one. We are one. We talked about this in love. The ones we are praying for are ones we are one with. 16, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory, again, the abundance, the overwhelming abundance that far exceeds whatever is needed, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. Wow. Don't we need that? Don't we need that? We need to be strengthened in the inner man because that's where trouble comes. Trouble doesn't come from out there. That's just, that's just trials. That's just hardship. That's going to pass. It's the inner man that needs to be strengthened. It's the inner man that gets tempted. It's the inner man that stumbles and falls. It's the inner man that sins. That's where we need to be strengthened. Paul prays that. And in that prayer, that through this strength, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He is not talking about, well, I hope Christ comes by and visits you, right? Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You are one with Christ. Christ dwells in you. So, why does he say this this way? It's about Christ being at home in you. Christ is there, but is Christ at home? Do we open up the doors? Say, you know, Christ, I know you're here, but you can't come here. This is my space. Christ dwells in our hearts. is access to everything. We need to pray that for one another. That we would allow Christ to dwell in in the, in the hearts. That the heart will be changed. And you being rooted and grounded in love. love. Rooted, which is where we're fed from. And grounded, which means we're set and we're immovable. We're rooted, we are fed by love, and we are grounded in love. We are immovable in love. In Love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. We can pray for one another, and I'm not talking about Lord Branford Bible Chapel. I'm talking about Lord James, Lord Sidney, Lord Josh, Lord Max, all these people individually, specifically, praying that in the depth of their heart, though they know Christ, That he would deepen their understanding. What is the width? From east to west, my sins have been put away. That's the width. What is the length? Well, it's eternity. Eternity is how I'm saved. Appreciate that, know that, understand that. And the depth from heaven to the grave. From heaven to the grave, Christ came. That is the depth of God's love and the height, the glory of heaven. We could pray for one another that each person has a deeper understanding and closeness to God because this is what they're thinking about and this is where their understanding is. And that's how hearts change and that's how we grow in Christ. And that to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Again, not head knowledge, not ability to define it and write it out three different ways, but it's to know it through an experience. Part of that is meditating on these things. As we pray for people to understand these things, they will know the love of Christ. The more time I spend thinking about what Christ has done to me, the more time I spend looking at the table, the more time I meditate on the cross and heaven and the empty tomb, And I think about what Christ has done for me, my heart overflows. But we also need to know the love of Christ from one another. Don't forget that. We can pray that people in each other's lives will express the love of Christ. Right? We can pray specifically for one another that we express the love of Christ to one another. I could pray for James that James loves you more than you can stand it. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? Philippians chapter 1, please. Verse 9 of Philippians chapter 1. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Your love may abound still. So they already love each other, right? He's recognized that they love each other. But he's praying that love abounds more and more. Pray for one another that our love pours out more and more. But, in knowledge and discernment, that's the tricky part of love sometimes, discernment. How do I apply that love? How do I I show that love? How I show you love may be different than the way I show you love. I have to have discernment in that. Otherwise, I can cause offense in my intentions to show love. But I also need to realize that maybe you need tough love. I'm looking at you. Right? Thanks for sitting so close. It makes it easy for me. The, um, but we, we do need to have discernment in how we apply love. It's not that we love and don't love. It's always an abundance of love. But it's the ability to discern how to apply that love. Let's pray for one another that we have that discernment and knowledge. Specifically. That we have the ability to approve the things that are excellent We need to recognize what is excellent and what is not worth spending time in. I need to pray for you as an individual that you can look at something and go, I shouldn't watch that, right? I shouldn't listen to that. I shouldn't be there. We need to pray for that for each other. We need to pray for that for each other. Have the ability to recognize what is good, that you may be sincere and without offense. When we talked about loving one another, we talked about fervently and in purity. Be sincere. You know what? I don't know about you, but I could use that prayer sometimes, right? We kind of go like this a little bit. I'm in a good mood. I want to love a lot. I'm in a bad mood. Leave me alone, right? So that causes inconsistency in my love. That's not fair, and that's not Christ-like. We could pray for each other that our yes is yes and our no is no, but more importantly, we are pure in our love, and it never causes offense, And we are filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus. I need to pray for you and you need to pray for me that the fruits of righteousness are manifest in my life. Why? He says right here, to the glory and praise of God. I need to pray for you that you are used to praise and glorify God. And that's done through the fruits of righteousness that exist in your life, which come through all the other things that we've been praying about. Don't we want this for each other? Don't we want this for each other? I mean, that's love, right? Love means I want what's best for you. And what's best for you is the fullness of Christ in your life. So these are examples of prayer that we can have for one another. That God would do these things in our lives. A couple more. Colossians chapter 1. Similar language for Paul, Colossians one nine. For this reason, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Remember, I was telling you before about hope, that the hope of His calling, not really about what you're supposed to do, but this actually is a prayer that is. What does God want you to do? In all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that's the answer we're looking for. God, should I go here? Or should I go there? God, should I do this? Should I not do this? Should I help? Should I not help? Do I work here? Do I not work here? Do I ask her to marry me? Do I don't ask her to marry me? (laughs) Right? So all these things, all these things need spiritual understanding. They need spiritual understanding. Why wouldn't we be like Paul and pray this for one another? Why don't I spend time praying for Ron that he has spiritual understanding in his life and discernment in the decisions he makes? Not just as a deacon, but as a father and a husband and and a worker and a man of God in this world. That we would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Some of these are very obvious. I'm not going to go into great depth on them. You can can understand what we're praying. We pray these things as well. But it's a way to go beyond, Lord, please bless Him. Lord, please bless her. Lord, please bless her. Lord, please bless Him. Depth of prayer, specifics in prayer is where we want to get to. Specific things that are according to God's will. These things are according to God's will. Second Thessalonians, uh, Thessalonians, please. I'm going to skip a couple. Chapter two. Second Thessalonians, chapter two, verse sixteen. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by, by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. A specific prayer for a specific person in the church that God would establish them for a good work. We should be praying that for each other. That's not just for the elders to pray for you. That's for us to pray for each other. If I spend time giving thanks for you and praying this whole list of things that the understanding would be revealed the love of God would be increased in depth in your heart and that he would establish you in a good work. I wonder what would happen here if we all did that for each other. It'd be Fun to find out, wouldn't it? Right. And that he would comfort your hearts. That's probably the thing we got down. Praying for comfort for one another. We, we, we go through too much and we've been through too much and we're, we're going to continue to go through so much that this is a constant prayer so I don't need to spend any time on that. You know that we, we pray constantly for one another, for comfort through all the things that we go through uh, in this world and in this time. But it's important to remember it. Here's one that's important to me. Hebrews 13. So in Hebrews 13... We're going to look at 18, but I have to start with 17 so you understand what I'm talking about, because this is important for, for the body here at Brantford Bible Chapel. In 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. You need to pray for the church leadership. Believe me when I tell you, you need to pray for the church leadership regularly, and specifically. You've met us. You know us. We need your prayers. That's not any big secret. We are just men trying to do the best we can to shepherd God's people in the position he's put us in. But we're still men. We are not the Lord Jesus Christ. We are just men that God has given the heart of a shepherd. So sometimes we're trying to do the right thing, and it comes out wrong. Sometimes we're trying to encourage body life and get people accountable and want to be a part of things, and it comes out like we're trying to do a guilt trip. Right? We do that, we realize that, and we're sorry. But you need to understand, as you pray for us, as you pray for us, you'll have more sensitivity to this. That where it's coming from is the heart of the shepherd who cares about the sheep. And we're aware and sensitive to what's good and bad for the sheep. But you're not sheep, you're people. Right? A sheep I can grab by the neck and grab off the mountain, I can't do that to you. So we need prayer that we be sensitive to these things and apply them properly for the health of the church. We need your prayers. Pray for us all the time, for harmony, for unity amongst us, that God's will will be clearly defined for us, all these things. But, man, please pray for us. That's part of the health of Branford Bible Chapel. Turn with me to James 5. Now, we looked at James. We had a wonderful study, so I'm going to hit this just real quick because it's part of our study. Again, for the, for the health of Branford Bible Chapel and praying for one another, James 5.16, just as a reminder... Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The context here is healing relationships. If you lean in, I mean, Paula and I have a conflict, right? And we confess to one another, you know what we need to do? We need to pray for each other. That's part of the healing process. That's part of the, the unity of the body. That's part of what we go through to keep one Keep each other close to one another. It's very important to pray for one another. Pray as you're offended. Before you go and um, approach the person who's offended you, I hope you pray for them and yourself, (laughs) right? But you've got to pray for them. And you go through this list of giving thanks for them, and then the fullness of Christ be revealed in them, and then you go approach them, you're not going to be quite so angry and throwing punches uh, as soon as you see them you're actually going to have a very tender heart and the reconciliation, which is what God's plan is, is what's going to happen. We have to pray for one another before we approach one another and give thanks for one another and do all those things so that they happen. Last one, 3rd John. This is certainly a valid prayer for one another. 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. In all the things that God has you doing, involved in, touching, being touched by, all things, I want to pray for you that you prosper in that for the glory of God. I don't care about your wealth. It's not about your wealth. Listen, if you have your own business, I hope that you're very successful because that gives glory to God because you've done it the right way. There's nothing wrong with that. We also pray for our health just as your soul prospers. So we need to pray that the soul prospers as well, that we grow in Christ. So you've got a handout that basically has these verses and maybe some more broken down very explicitly in a list. And what I'd like to offer as a suggestion, no pressure, but I think it would be fun. I called it the Pray for One Another Challenge. What if you sat down with the directory and that list and began praying for specific people in the church, the whole list, part of the list, whatever whatever God jumps out of your heart goes, this is the one that you need to pray for that person, Use those verses, and you can pray anything else too. This is not a mandate, but I think it would be cool if as much as we could every day until we finish this one another series, which is March, we did that for one another. We think we'll give it a shot. I dare you to say no. Mm -hmm. Listen, this is not a vow, okay? Not holding you to anything, but the best that we can. Pray for one another specifically. Grab a directory and go through the list. Sometimes you just got to sit down and close your eyes and picture the church where everybody always sits and go, oh yeah, I have got that person. there in the second row. Yeah, I almost forgot that, right? That's fine. I do it all the time. But whatever you got to do to remember people, pray for one another. But pray these specific things because we want to pray about spiritual growth, spiritual health, spiritual relationships, being used by God, growing in God. Praying that for one another. Then let's see what happens. What do you think? All right, let's close in prayer. Lord our God, we want to thank you for the redemption we have in Jesus Christ, that we here, who know him as our Lord and Savior, are one. Just as you and he are one, we and him are one, and we together are one. Thank you for our Lord who intercedes on our behalf, who gives us the model and the example of praying without ceasing, who never tires of looking out for us. Lord, we want to have the same heart towards one another. We want to pray for one another without ceasing. We want to be sensitive to one another's needs. And Lord, we want to grow. We want to grow spiritually. We want to encourage one another spiritually. We want to bless one another. So Lord, help us to take these things, these prayers that you have given us, and anything else that you put upon our heart. Let us not be... Uh, myopic and legalistic in, in certain things. But as you lead our hearts, more importantly, that we pray for one another. Diligently, fervently, lovingly. Let us pray for one another. And we anticipate and look forward to what you will do here at Brantford Bible Chapel as we grow in loving one another and doing all these things for your glory and for your name. Again, we thank you for Jesus Christ who did it all. And we do all this for the glory of his name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Have a nice week. Lord bless you.